This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's show comes from St. Augustine's Anglican Church in Moreland in Melbourne's Inner North. Today's big question, how can we talk about death? And we're asking this question today to two guests. My first guest is Dr. Aaron Wong. Aaron works as a palliative medicine physician and medical oncologist. Aaron is passionate about holistic, compassionate care for people with incurable illness and has a keen interest in improving the quality of palliative care. He leads a clinical trial team and is doing a PhD in pain management in palliative care. And he joins me now. Aaron, welcome to Bigger Questions. Please welcome. My second guest is Dr. Michael Chai. Michael works as a nephrologist, a kidney specialist at the Royal Melbourne Hospital, where he is lead for peritoneal dialysis at the home dialysis unit. He also completed a PhD on bone dysfunction in renal disease, and he joins me now. Please welcome Michael Chai. Well, Aaron and Michael, welcome to Bigger Questions. I'm glad you can join us today. Now, death may be an uncomfortable and at times perhaps a morbid topic, but you regularly talk with people who are going to die in your professional work. Aaron? Oh, yes, for sure. Um, well, what I do from a day-to-day basis is to look after people who we know have incurable illness. Where I work, the average lifespan of the person I would normally see is about five weeks. Um, It's getting a little bit longer now in that people are starting to recognise that palliative care is not only for the people who will have a very, very short time left to live, but it's certainly got a place much longer before, you know, the, the end of life or the death process. Yeah, so that's a, that's a, and that's a, it must be a challenging experience to deal with people for just average of five weeks. For sure, yeah, you barely get to know them and then um, you also at the same time need to um, be wise in dealing with the really intimate parts of their lives not only themselves, but the communities around them, their families, the things that are important to them, all, all these sorts of things are important to know in that, in that very short time. Yeah. And Michael, you conduct the monthly morbidity and mortality audit in your team. What does that mean? Um, so in the hospital setting, we have a pretty robust um, procedure to look at why a person has died and if there's anything that we could do to prevent the death or how to um, improve the process of dying for a lot of the patients. Often there's actually not a lot that we can do to prevent them from dying. That's a destiny for all of us, unfortunately. Um, yeah. uh, but. Um, it's a very kind of um, engaging conversation with other doctors and, um, and nurses and everyone just to talk about how did we do in helping this person die? Was it something that we could have done better? So it's a very kind of active process in the hospital setting. Yeah, and you obviously you, you regularly deal with people who are in the last stages of their life as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't think kidney disease is, um, you know, a very terrifying condition. But in fact, um, uh, you know, if someone has um, its kidneys failed and they're on dialysis, their prognosis is often worse than many stage four cancers. Right, yeah, wow. So it's obviously it's a heavy topic today that we're conducting with bigger questions. But to kick off bigger questions, we do like to ask some smaller questions just to get us thinking. Now, today we're talking about death, which is no laughing matter. So, but Aaron and Michael, I do have one smaller question for you, which is how much we like to talk about death. And now, according to research by Dying to Know Day, which is an annual campaign encouraging people to start conversations about death, I'm going to ask you the question, the smaller question is, what percentage of Australians think that we don't talk about death enough? Okay, 
So the closest one kind of wins. So it's a bit of a kind of a funny one. So um, who's going to go first? Go on, Aaron, what, what do you think? What percentage of Australians think that we don't talk about death enough? Can I answer it in a slightly roundabout way? I think um, probably about 80% of Australians want to talk about, well, know what they want around death, but only about 30% of us actually have explored that conversation with our loved ones. So are you having a bet each way here? Are you going for 30 or 80%? What, what are you going to go with? Uh, uh, not talking about death enough, um, let's say 50. 50, okay. What do you think, Michael? What, do you think, what are you going to go with? What percentage of Australians think we don't talk about death enough? Um, given the fact that Aaron's is really the specialist in here, it sounds like those numbers are quoted from a proper study. <laughs> <laughs> You'd probably be right. But um, I, I would say about 30% actually. 30%. Okay, now... Well, according to research by Don't Know Day, they claim that 60% of Australians think that we don't talk about death enough. So that means, Aaron, you are the specialist. <laughs> so you have, you have got our smaller question right. That's right. Congratulations. Um, so babe, give, a big, give a hand anyway. For... So 60% of Australians think we don't talk about death enough. So that's quite a lot. That's perhaps one of the reasons we're having a conversation like this today. So what about you? Do you, think, do you think we talk about death enough, Aaron? I think we don't talk about death enough, and um, a big reason to that is because it's really hard to talk about. Yeah, so why, why is it so hard to talk about? Maybe, Michael, why, why do you find death hard to talk about? I, I personally don't find death that hard to talk about to, to um, my patients. However, I find a lot of patients, not, actually, not so much of patients, but a lot of their families really find it really challenging to talk about death. Right, yeah. Um, I suppose there's that sense of um, kind of finality um, that a lot of um, the patients kind of perceive. Mm. Occasionally it's to do with, you know, the idea of um, suffering for them and that they find it um, tricky and, um, you know, and I think that process just needs to happen really early on, especially when we know that the prognosis um, is poor. Mm. So, Aaron, you mentioned it's difficult to talk about death. Why, why do you think it's difficult for us as a culture to, to engage this topic? I think that there are a lot of, certainly a lot of cultural prohibitions against talking about death, so to speak. Um, firstly, we don't like to talk about something that's not nice. Let's say if there's a, you know, your child has a VCE exam coming up, you probably wouldn't bang it on their heads every day and talk about how stressful the VCE exam is. Similarly, you know, death is certainly very different and certainly something that all of us want to avoid if we can, but unfortunately we can't. Um, a lot of cultures think about it in many different ways. I think some cultures feel that um, if they talk about death, then it might hasten the death process. Some cultures think that, um, certainly when I was growing up, we, I don't know where I picked it up from, maybe where I was taught or whether I just picked it up from somewhere else, but if you talked about death with your elders, it hints towards the fact that you're cursing them to die. So, you know, which ones of us would, would actually do that if we loved our elders or wanted to respect them? Now, you, both of you, encounter patients and their families who are confronting death. So when you realise a patient's going to die, I suppose with you, Aaron, it's going to be most of the people that you engage. How do you begin that conversation uh, with them and their families? I think it's a process that requires a bit of, um, a bit of training and a little bit of um, experience as well. I think... Um, over the years, I've learned that um, what's important is to firstly find out what the knowledge is in the room. Instead of bombarding people with information which they may or may not want to hear, identify first who the person is that you're talking to, who are the others around the room over the phone nowadays um, with COVID restrictions, and what do they know and what do they want to hear about. 
Right, okay, yeah. How about you, Mark? How do you begin the conversation? Yeah, it's, um, you know, usually the, the often the tricky thing in the health system is that um, you don't really have that continuity care, especially in a tertiary specialist centre. So I think the most important aspect of having a conversation with patients is actually get to know them as a person. Right. I think a lot of us don't necessarily do that. I think medicine's getting better and knowing people as a person while they're serious of disease and illnesses. Mm. Everyone lives in a context, whether that be their family, their culture, and also their faith. Yeah. And, um, and you know, um, a faith is very kind of specific also for that particular person. So often it takes me about six months after about four consultations for me to really kind of be comfortable raising these issues so that I know that um, the patient feels comfortable talking to me about Mm. these issues. Is it a challenge for people to realise that medicine can't make people immortal? I think everyone knows that cerebrally, um, but I think no one... I mean, I think a lot of people would just hope that it won't happen. That's my personal feeling, at least from a, a relatively healthy kind of population. Mm. Aaron? I think that um, uh, in spite of everybody knowing that they're going to die one day, there's certainly a good number of people who want to put off the conversation and put off thinking about it. And in the extreme, you could see people who, um, you know, their loved ones know that they're dying any minute now. They're unconscious and you know, in, a, in a not so good state. But yet they still don't want to bring up the conversation about death or what happens if or when the person, or when the person dies, really? Mm. So why is that? Why do people, is there a sense of denial, perhaps, that people just don't want to engage this topic? Often, behind the sense of denial is a bigger, it's a bigger question. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're here for. <laughs> uh, um, this might range from again the notion of respect. You know, I respect my loved one, therefore I will not talk about them dying for fear of hastening it, for fear of the fact that this is just. A disrespectful thing to talk about. Um, it might range towards, you know, the person who's dying, maybe a single mother of three who, you know, after she dies, what's going to happen to the little kids? Um, or just simply, I just don't want to talk about it. It's just hard, and don't don't bombard me with this conversation. Yeah, Michael, do you find do you find a sense of denial at all in people who you talk to? I think depends. I think I think for for the patient, often I don't see that, especially when they know that they are quite un, unwell. Um, they have a sense that you know they they really have a limited kind of amount of time um, uh, living. But I think there's a lot of denial um, on their family's um, part for a, mm. a lot of our people. Not everyone, you know. Some people are pretty good, um, but yeah. I think I would say fifty-fifty. Mm. So do you find people struggle then with the notion that they are actually mortal? Um, I think that you feel like universal struggle depends on how you look at it. Yeah. You know, we all think death um, is a very unpleasant part of, of life and, and therefore we struggle. But um, at the same time, I think you know, death for, for me and for a lot of um, Christians um, have a very different meaning mm, to, yeah. to um, you know, others who don't necessarily have shared that same value. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Aaron? I think that everybody knows that they're going to die, but um, when it comes to speaking about themselves or their loved ones, it feels like, oh, no, 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 it's not, not, not me, not now. I'm different and we're different. Yeah. So there's, perhaps there's different reflections on uh, death, but there's a variety of responses. For example, there's a famous poem by Dylan Thomas who wrote a famous poem, Rage, Rage Against the Dying of the Light, which expresses almost anger in the face of death. Yet there's also many who are influenced by the words of Yoda from Star Wars who said that death is a natural part of life. 
So what does being confronted with death make us think about the nature of death? Is it natural or an enemy? Which one do you resonate with, um, Dylan Thomas or Yoda? Aaron? I don't know Dylan Thomas, <laughs> but I know Yoda. <laughs> so he would be the natural, um, natural choice. And he's also, um, I haven't watched all of the Star Wars movies, but he's also painted as somebody who's wise and strong and so on and so forth. But um, where I would probably disagree a little bit with Yoda is that death is probably not what was meant to be. I don't think um, God created it, or God didn't create us with the notion that, he, that we were going to die but it is the unfortunate um, uh, consequence of the calamity of sin, that wages of sin is death. So it has now become something that we all end up having to face. Mm, yeah. Michael? I think that um, death is somewhat of, a, of an enemy. I mean, you know, who would want to, you know, succumb to death? Um, we don't want to succumb, succumb to death because that's lack of life. But at the same time, that is the reality for all of us, at least a physical um, mm. form of death. Now, the Old Testament wisdom book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible confronts death at many points, but it raises some profound wisdom in chapter 7, verse 2, where it says, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. So, Aaron, what do you think we gain from considering death more? I think we gain a few things, quite a few things from considering death more. When people say, talk about death, you know, if you just hear that and don't give it further thought and don't know where to start, the only thing that perhaps comes to my mind is, how do I talk about death, you know? I'm going to die, sure, you know, full stop, that's it. Mm. Now, what do we in clinic talk about with patients? Now, we, we talk about, firstly, what bothers them, what stresses them out whether it is symptoms, which we can manage with medications, so pain, nausea, vomiting, tiredness, breathlessness, sleeplessness, etc. Whether it's um, emotional, spiritual things, for which then we refer patients on to the appropriate people. Whether it is um, the other unresolved things, and a the theme of unforgiveness, the theme of reconciliation comes around quite a lot and brings around mm. a lot of tears where people really get stuck. So just on that, so do people feel a sense at the end of their life that they need to forgive or be forgiven or something at the, as they see the, the end of their life approaching, that there are things that need to be dealt with in their life? Is that what you're saying? I think that's a big thing. That's certainly something that keeps featuring over and over again. I guess there's two major things in my mind that really bother people when they're really uncomfortable to us, that makes them really uncomfortable to us at the end of life. One is that they haven't solved all the legal stuff, like the wills and the powers of attorney and all that, and signed it on time, and they've left it to the, really, really towards the end because perhaps they had not really thought about it or hadn't had the opportunity to explore it in greater detail beforehand. The other part is fractured relationships and um, difficulty then navigating through those, path, those pathways that really bring a lot of, a lot of anguish to people when, when they're in a state where they feel it's hard to then, to then reconcile. Mm, mm. So death really brings out to the fore some of the bigger challenges and issues of life, I suppose. It really brings it to a stark reality, I suppose. Yes, and you, you hear about this all the time, you know, people don't think about their possessions or money or whatever. I think people need to know that they have enough for their family members going forward and then that's all. They don't need to have lots and lots and lots of money to then be happy in their deathbeds. It's really a lot about their relationships, their loved ones, who they've been in this world, what they've, what they've done, you know, who, who they are as a person and how they've blessed the people around them. Mm. So perhaps that's reflecting on the wisdom of Ecclesiastes here, it's better to go to a house of mourning than a house of feasting because it actually helps you 
calibrate and focus what's really important in life as you're reflecting in, as you're living life. Yeah, I think it helps us to reflect upon the important things of life. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, what about you? So, you, if, given that this passage in Ecclesiastes talks about death being the destiny of everyone and the living should take this to heart, so what do you think should change then for the living as we consider death? The irony of it, I think, um, is that by us thinking more about death, I think we actually will live better. It's kind of at, at that point where we consider our own mortality and, and the people that, you know, that we love's mortality, that we kind of really focus on attention on really matters in life. And I think that really helps us to uh, live better, not just you know, on our own, and also think about how our relationship uh, with God and, and, and how we interact with each other. Mm. But also um, um, it, it kind of gives a really fresh perspective on what, life's all about and you know because at the the end of the day to be honest i um we don't know how long we'll live on sometimes we have a very good approximation because we've got certain illnesses um but um that's usually on the negative side though isn't it so (laughs) if you're going to live a long time it's hard to know what's my window is it 30 years 20 years Um, 10 years so just um just a bit bit of i suppose diversion i I also um take phone calls for um uh, kidney transplants so these are people who've died and have an organ available to donate to another person. Obviously, that's a gift of life for a lot of my patients, but it's, at the same time, you know that another person has died, and often the circumstance in which they've died is completely unpredictable, brain aneurysms, completely healthy. So I suppose kind of, you know, that's the time where, you know, I, I suppose I get, I'm lucky in a sense that I get a lot of opportunity to consider death um, in various contexts. But um, uh, part of this, I suppose, to share with you that, you know, we all should do that because I think that really helps us to frame our mind. Mm. Now, Jesus confronts death in a very moving story in the Bible in John 11, where he comes to the grieving family of Lazarus, who actually has just died. And we see the reaction of Jesus to his friend Mary in verses 33 to 35. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then in verse 35, Jesus wept. So is there something about Jesus' manner which helps us talk about death, Aaron? I think that um, Jesus, the fact that Jesus wept shows us that, you know, even though death is something to be expected, it's also still something that's sad, that we shouldn't walk around thinking that, hey, you know, because we've got the security of knowing where we're going afterwards, that. No, we should be feeling guilty about feeling sad over mm. death. That's, that's, if you're, that's if you're a Christian believer, I suppose. Yes, true. that's right. Yes, yes. yes. Um, I think um, uh, with Jesus' example there, with him feeling sad over death, it gives us almost the permission, I suppose, to also feel sad about similar things because it is sad for, for many, many reasons. Mm. Michael, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, it's a real kind of good guide for, for me to be with patients, to know that, you know, this might... Well, this could be, you know, the fifth conversation I had about death to a patient on a particular day. But, you know, it's, it's a really sad thing to, to confront for um, the, the person, the patient, and as well as the family. And I think, you know, crying and sharing tears with a, with a patient is really natural. Um, and, you know, that, mm. that's something that all should, should, should be doing. Well, this does relate to a question that's come in from our text line, from our live audience here today. Um, the question is, how do emotional reactions play a part in talking about death? Or are people able to set aside their emotions when talking about death with you as a doctor? 
Aaron, you, obviously you, this is a conversation you have regularly, but how do emotional reactions play a part in talking about death? Um, I think there are a lot of tears, and when tears happen, it's often seen as a good thing from our side because it often hints towards the fact that people have accepted the fact that you know, the inevitable is coming and, and then after the tears, they are then able to then recover and think about things in, the, in, a, in a practical way, in a planning way. You know, where would I like to die? What bothers me? You know, what symptoms are worrisome? If I couldn't get out of bed anymore and needed my family members to wash me, is that acceptable? Is that not acceptable? Would I nature take, will I let nature take its course when that happens, etc.? These are all things that the whole, you know, everything then opens up that kind of box for people to then explore those bigger questions on. Mm. Yeah. How about you, Michael? Are you looking for tears? Is that something that you're, <laughs> you, know, you are happy with, and so to speak, or relieved when they come? No, nah, that was not part of my KPI. So, <laughs> okay, so right. It's not part of the M&M or, yeah, orders. No. Yeah. Um, I think if someone doesn't have any kind of show emotion, it may not be tears, you know, it could just be a profound, you know, sadness that's visible on their face. I think that's an issue, like a medical issue, you know. I think it shouldn't be possible for us to talk about these issues without, um, you know, a strong emotional feeling towards it. I think you should be encouraged. And, And sometimes we... It might just take time for people to cry for 20 minutes. Nothing to be said. That's okay. And you're... That's okay. You're happy to... Be with them, I suppose, at that point. Yeah, sometimes no, words are not necessary. Mm, words, words are not necessary, yeah. yeah. Well, in this story in the Bible, uh, Jesus makes an astonishing claim in verses 25 to 26 when he, uh, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So, Aaron, when people are contemplating their mortality, is the idea of an afterlife, the bigger question of, you know, is there life after death, so to speak, is that come up much when people are confronted with their mortality? Um, I think people always have an answer if we explore those questions. They don't tend to necessarily offer that up, but people do tend to have an answer, whether it's been very, very well thought out throughout their lives or whether they've got that from religion or whether they've just very simply thought about that in a, in a, on a whim everyone seems to have a feeling or a, a thought about um, where they think they're going, if, if any. Right, yeah, yeah. How about you, Michael? How does that shape your view of death, this resurrection of Jesus? Well, I think um, for me, you know, death is, um, you know, Jesus conquered death. And I think um, for me, I've, I take not just relief, but just feeling the fact that it's just so good to have a living God that has kind of worked it out that he's um, given us eternal life we believe in, mm. in Jesus but um, yeah for me personally I think it's um, you know it's just amazing to know that um, Jesus has conquered death and, mm. um, and everlasting life so how does the Christian faith um, help you as you encounter death Aaron in your daily work I think that being a Christian also is helpful in that it, it helps me think that even in spite of a lot of people not sharing the same faith. We are to be the salt and light of the earth. We are to show grace, to show mercy when there are very strong emotions that you'd normally take offence on. Just put that aside and that's okay. You know, people are really having a lot of trouble and stress dealing with what they're dealing with at the moment and they appreciate that. And um, yeah, I think it it calls for a lot of patience and a lot of love and kindness around. Mm. 
So this is a question for both of you. Do you, you ever cry or feel emotion when you're dealing with this or is it just part of so much part of your daily work that it's just like, oh, another one's just going to pop off this afternoon? So like, is, is, how, how do you deal with it in your own professional capacity um, with your emotional, personal emotional reflection? Aaron? I think that um, certainly the emotion is there. I think um, to deal with somebody or to look after somebody who is dying and going through this really stressful process for them, it's different to if I saw them for an um, infected toe or something. It's, it's very, very different. You need to know a lot about them, a lot about what their wants and what, they're not, what their dislikes are. You need to know about their close supports, their family members, and have spoken to those family members as well. And to know what those family members think. And these are really raw and entrenched emotions in people. I think that um, knowing people to such a great degree once they die, you do miss them, like how you know, you'd miss your loved ones who have died. These, of course, this is very different, but um, you do miss them, and I do feel sad for sure. I think from a professional perspective, how I deal with it is um, a lot of debriefing. The capacity to debrief, the capacity to say, oh, what a, you know, what a wonderful person this was, or what a challenging situation this was for these people, and how could we improve on those processes or those ways of dealing with those challenging circumstances going forward? Michael, do you resonate with what Aaron's saying there? But often for me, you know, for a lot of my patients, um, you know, their final few months often riddled with suffering, to be honest, like physical suffering, pain, and, it, you know, there's a lot of kind of emotional suffering as well. And, and for them, in a sense that, you know, for them, you know, death is somewhat of a relief, if you like, in quotation marks. Mm, mm, mm. So Aaron and Michael, how can we talk about death? We'll start with you, Michael. Um, I think we're going to start talking about death by just getting to know each other better. I think that's probably the, the key, the prelude to that. Um, and we, we shouldn't, I mean, there needs to be a bit of a cultural change to think about this as a very taboo topic and to open it up. Um, I think, um, you know, a lot of promotion, um, speaking to the younger people about, you know, it's something that they will never think of, but it's important for us all, all to kind of ponder on um, and, and just getting rid of that barrier will be um, really helpful in us having that conversations. Mm. Aaron? I think that, um, firstly, I say it's important to talk about death because in the past we used to kind of know how much longer we have to live. But now with COVID, it's really changed everything. Um, I could get COVID tomorrow and die the next day, really, without, you know, in the absence of any sorts of other issues going on. Um, and that could happen to any of us. And I think we do somewhat owe it to our loved ones to talk about death so that they know what our wishes are. Mm. Yep, thank you. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question, how can we talk about death? From Ecclesiastes 7.2. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone and the living should take this to heart. I look forward to you joining us next time. For bigger questions, please thank our guests today, Drs. Aaron Wong and Michael Chai. Enjoy bigger questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.